This is Cruise Radio. I cruise a lot and I always sail with travel insurance. You should too. Get a free quote today at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio, a review of Royal Caribbean's Liberty of the Seas this week. And staff writer Richard Sims is here with Cruise News, jumping right to him now. Hey, Richard. Hey, Doug. A cruise ship is being used to help Americans get out of Israel. Obviously, the situation in the Middle East is incredibly dangerous right now. So the State Department has been working to help get not only American citizens, but their immediate family um, out of the line of literal fire. But with that in mind, they've charted Rhapsody of the Seas from Royal Caribbean, which on Monday arrived in the war-torn country and welcomed evacuees on board. Uh, This came directly in the heels of Royal Caribbean canceling any plans to visit the region, as have most cruise ships. I don't think I am aware of any that are planning on going there anytime soon. Next month, Rhapsody was already scheduled to reposition to Florida. It'll sail out of there for a while. Uh, It also has a couple of other places that it will be sailing out of. But for right now, it is being used in this humanitarian rescue effort as the situation continues to develop in Israel. Yeah, like right now, I'm curious if they're actually going to use it again to do a second one, um, especially after the madness that has happened over the past couple of days over there. Um, Because like right now, the ship, as we're recording this, the ship is docked off the coast of Cyprus. And so it's just kind of hanging out there until it repositions back to Florida um, in the middle of next month. So it'll be curious to see if they're actually doing more missions than just the one they did on Sunday night, you know? Right, because they could obviously turn around, go back, pick up more people Mm -hmm. and go to Cyprus again. So, you know, right now we've only heard of the one uh, rescue mission, but that doesn't mean that they couldn't turn around and do another. It'll just depend on exactly what the uh, they were contracted for. And a ship originally built for Carnival Corporation has been sold to, well, a surprising party. I feel as if we've been talking about the evolution of what was once known as the Bahamas Paradise Cruise Line forever. You'll remember that's the line that bought two old Costa ships and, you know, was sailing them from Florida to the Bahamas. And then during the pandemic, they wound up selling one of them. And after that, they rebranded themselves as Margarita at Sea or Margaritaville at Sea, excuse me, with their remaining one ship. But honestly, the reviews since then have been kind of brutal since, you know, kind of talking about the theming and that they didn't really do a great job of renovating the ship so much as sort of slapping up some Margaritaville stuff and calling it a day. But they must be making money because Margaritaville at sea appears to have just bought one of the original spirit class ships, the Costa Atlantica. So Costa is, of course, a division of Carnival Corporation, and the Atlantica sailed under the Costa brand from about 2000 until 2020, at which point it was kind of sold. There was a joint arrangement going on to a Japanese company called the Adora Adora Cruises. Um, It was part of Carnival's overall plan to sell off inventory to raise money. You'll remember that for a while there, 
as they were as the restart was happening, Carnival revealed that they, you know, they were going to get rid of some of their older inventory, and there was a guessing game going on for a while as to what ships would be sold off, and eventually they sold off, as we expected, some of the older fleets. Some were sold to other lines, some went to, were were sold to scrap. The Atlantica was, we now know, is part of this, you know, kind of ongoing sale. Um, the ship never actually sailed under Adora. It was, it was, it, it was sold to them in 2020, but they never actually set sail. Now they do plan on bringing in their own ship, a brand new build called the Magic City. So the question was sort of left up in the air, what would happen to the Atlantica, which they had bought? Well, now we know. It appears that that it has been sold to the company that's running Margaritaville at sea, and I, we don't know yet whether they will, you know, sort of do the same thing and revamp it. Uh, it seems like they will because they aren't doing um, anything other than Margaritaville at sea. So it seems like they will probably this will be a second sea or a second ship sailing under that same thing. They have the Paradise right now. It's the Margaritaville at sea Paradise. Maybe this will become the Margaritaville at sea Atlantica. Maybe they'll give it a new name, more in keeping with the theming. Who knows? This is one of those stories that is only just now developing, so we'll have to see where it actually winds up going as time goes on. Yeah, I have so many questions about this because this ship is much larger than the ship they're running right now. So, like, they would have to dredge the harbor even more to bring a ship of that size in, um, build more dock space. Like, there's a lot of a lot of logistics into buying one of these things. That's why I'm like, Carnival did confirm. There's also they, the possibility. There's also the possibility that they might sail it from another port, mm -hmm. you know? Like, we just sort of assume that it will sail from the same port and do the same kind of itineraries because they did formerly have two ships doing these itineraries. So clearly, it's, at one point, there was enough demand. And we have seen other cruise lines tapping into this. Royal Caribbean's done a really big push into the two- and three-day sailings. Carnival has been doing more, more of the shorter sailings. So there clearly is a demand. Not only the, you know, we've heard so much about the pent-up demand for cruising, but along with that comes a demand for people wanting to get away for weekends. Maybe they don't have a week off. Maybe they don't have, you know, the ability to do an entire week, 10-day, even a five-day sailing. So there is, is this need for shorter sailings maybe they're going to expand and do it out of a different market that would be kind of interesting yeah. to see how they how they decide do that and where and a three-year world cruise has hit a snag that my friend is the understatement of the week <laughs> so life at sea is supposed to start welcoming passengers board in a few weeks originally it was november 1st but they don't actually have a ship as we record this onto which to welcome up people. Now, look, I've been rolling my eyes skeptically for about two years now where life at seas and their three-year plan and all this was concerned because call me crazy, but I just don't get how anyone in their right mind would pony up literally thousands and thousands of dollars to buy a passage, to buy a stateroom on a ship that hasn't actually been built or purchased. You know, they, they, have had lots of pictures on their side of what it's going to look like, but those pictures are of other ships, and maybe they are ships that they were looking at, maybe they were ships that they were thinking of, or maybe they were ships that were kind of sort of like what they were thinking, but they don't actually have a ship. So you were buying it's, – it's like buying an apartment in a building that you've never seen, and you don't have any idea what it's going to look like when it's done. 
I, it, it reminds me of the thing my mom always said, you know, and if you believe that, I've got a bridge in Brooklyn to sell you. But at least we know the Brooklyn Bridge exists. We don't know what these people are buying. The latest that's being reported is that the inaugural voyage, which was supposed to kick off on November 1st, has been kicked to the 11th. The company, um, they swear that they have a ship, that they're transferring the funds, and it's taking a little longer than expected to buy it. But here's the thing. Let's say you transfer those funds today and miraculously take owners of ownership of this ship, whatever ship it is, the next day. In what universe is that ship going to be ready to sail for you like a week later, two weeks later? You, you would think that it's going to go into some kind of dry dock, you know, uh, for some renovations, at the very least some branding to your own brand based on instead of whatever ship it is that was sailing as. Anyway, there are people out there who've sold their furnishings and their homes and are very excited to start this journey. Here's hoping this really is just a delay and that this doesn't all fall apart and turn out to be, you know, at at, at best, a bad plan that never was able to come to fruition. And at worst, a scam. I, You know, they... On their website, they did this thing where they were giving away a stateroom. Even if you had already bought a stateroom, you could enter to have a second stateroom as long as you um, entered this contest, which you did by basically putting down a deposit. And to me, that just screamed, you know, like, hey, we need more money. How can we get it? I know. Let's offer to give away a stateroom as long as you are putting down a deposit on a stateroom. I don't know the whole thing. I hope it's not, but it sure looks like a big old scam to me. That's that's just my opinion, obviously. But we'll see what happens on November 11th, whether this ship set sail on its three-year voyage or not. Another cruise ship has reported a norovirus outbreak, but it's not really as bad as it may seem. In this case, the outbreak was on board um, a Virgin Voyages ship. It was the Scarlet Lady. The October 8th sailing reported about 70 people came down with norovirus. Some of the crew, some most of them were um, passengers. Because that accounted to for over 3% of those on board, it was reported to the CDC, which is required. That's how it becomes news. They have to report any outbreak at sea over a certain percent to the CDC. But the reality is that while you almost never hear about norovirus unless it happens on a cruise ship, outbreaks on land are much, much, much more common. They're just not reported. Let's say you work in an office building and after the Christmas party, like 100 people come down with neuro. It's not going to become news because there are no rules that your company has to report this. By the way, that also means your office building probably isn't going to get that like major thorough cleaning before you come back to work on Monday. Whereas you can bet that as soon as the cruise ship gets back to port, they are going to be doing, they're going to be scrubbing that sucker down. They have very, you know, intense procedures they go through to make sure that the ship is clean before the next batch of people get on board for two reasons. One, obviously for the health and safety of everyone on board, it's very important. But two, because they know that if they have, you know, if they don't do a good job with that, it could be break, it could break out on the next sailing and then they have to report it again and it becomes news again. So, 
it's very important that they monitor this and that they keep it under control. But again, that is why you hear about it with cruise ships. People think of it as a cruise ship disease. It's much more common on land. I've told this story before, but uh, my housemate and I both got neurovirus at the same time, which was delightful. I can tell you that. Um, and we got it on land. I hadn't even, it was before I'd even begun my love of cruising. So it's much more common on land. Don't let the headlines freak you out. Don't, you know, people who have never cruised before hear this and they get very nervous about that. It is not something to be terribly nervous about um, because it is more common on land. It's just that cruise ships have to report it. And if you want to board a carnival ship faster, you're going to have to pay. Yeah. Well, we're talking carnival cruise line here. It's the law of supply and demand at work. Carnival has the fun. People want to get to it as quickly as possible, so they're willing to pay for it. Now, they'll have to pay a little bit more right now because Carnival has boosted the price of their popular faster-to-the-fun package of perks. On most sailing, it's going to cost you an extra $10 per stateroom. Now, remember, that's per stateroom, not per guest. And it's also really important to note that if you're a Diamond or Platinum member, of their loyalty plan, the VIFP, very important fun person loyalty program, you're already getting these perks. So there's no reason for you to purchase a faster to the fun package because you're already getting it. So how much will it cost? It's going to be anywhere from $69.96 for short package pass, for short sailings of two or three nights, all the way up to $189 on sailings over nine nights. Now, talking about those longer sailings, it's also important to note that it is not available on Carnival Journeys sailings. And that is because already a huge number of people get these perks that are associated with Faster to the Fun. Because on a Carnival Journey sailings, you tend to get a lot of people who are Diamond or Platinum members because they are the people who take these longer sailings there. So, so those perks are already kind of built in, and they have a lot of people who are taking advantage of them so they don't sell it on Carnival Journey sailings. As far as what's actually included in Faster to the Fun, it's you know, a nice package. You get priority check-in when you arrive at the terminal. You get early access to your stateroom. No, that does not mean you can go and hang out in your stateroom as soon as you board. It means you can go and drop off your luggage, you know, and, and then keep it there while you're waiting for your room to be ready. Your luggage gets delivered earlier if you have checked your luggage at the, at the pier. You get a dedicated phone number and guest services line. You get priority main dining room and specialty restaurants, unless you have your time dining, in which case that's not really possible you get priority boarding on water shuttles like if you're important in in if you're having to take a shuttle to uh, a shore excursion or to get to shore you get priority boarding there and disembarkation you don't get like, basically to walk off whenever you want but you do get to choose whether you want an early disembarkation time or a late disembarking time, which can be nice if you, you know, are, if you've got all day to kill before your flight, it's nice to be able to have that late disembarkation or debarkation time. So that is basically what's included. And, you know, a lot of people enjoy it. For a lot of people, it's worth paying that extra fee. And again, remember, you are paying that fee for per stateroom, not per person. So it's not like everybody in your stateroom has to buy it, just one person in your stateroom. Although if you have a big party and you're taking, let's say, four different staterooms, because you got one for grandma, grandpa, and one for the kids, each stateroom would have to buy it. It is not one per party. It's one per 
escape room. So that's also important to know. Did I see you bragging on Facebook that you have a cruise coming up really soon? I do. I am leaving uh, a week from Sunday on the Norwegian escape. I'm very, very excited. I, uh, I haven't been on a cruise in a while and I need it desperately. I really wasn't supposed to go until January when I was doing uh, Carnival of Venezia, but I decided that I needed to squeeze an extra one in. So yeah, going going a week from Sunday. Staff writer Richard Sims, as always. Thank you, buddy. Okay, talk to you soon. Have a question or a comment for the show? Send an email or voice memo to Doug at cruiseradio.net. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. You're listening to Cruise Radio, America's trusted voice of the cruise industry. Adam and his family just returned from a four-night cruise aboard Royal Caribbean's Liberty of the Seas, left out of Bayonne, New Jersey, went up to Halifax and back. He joins us on the line. Hey, Adam. Hey, Doug. Hey, man, good to talk to you again. I want to get some pre-cruise thoughts here. I know you're up in Jersey, and you were sailing out of Jersey. Is that what made you want to jump on this four-nighter? Yes, we just saw the rates uh and we didn't have to fly and quick getaway it was just something that we couldn't pass up i know we've i've asked you this probably five times over the past decade but how close are you to the cruise port without traffic probably about 45 50 minutes okay gotcha so you make your way to the cruise terminal there which is a pretty nice cruise terminal there at cape liberty how was the embarkation and how much pre-cruise paperwork had to be done before you boarded was it just like zap 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 and you were on the ship or did you have to actually show physical documents you had to show but not really it's like like almost all the cruise ships now you you do your pre-cruise check-in online and you go through they make sure you have your passport and your boarding pass whether it's on your phone or uh, or in your hand and they let you through and I'll say this about Bayonne, the they they can handle the Oasis class ships. The Freedom class ships are a cakewalk for them. Uh, the only thing I will say is that they have, they were having two ships go through Bayonne at the time. They uh, just on different days, uh, and so parking they were using their far parking lot for people who could uh, who could walk. One more thing re- regarding pre cruise that made this a little interesting is my wife had broken her toe on her foot two days before the cruise. So it made uh, mobility an actual interesting thing with this. So what ended up happening when we showed up is I dropped my wife off at the terminal and I parked the car and then walked from the far car- parking lot to the terminal. And that was the only wait we had. Was she uh, in a wheelchair or just uh, on crutches? She had crutches, but she also had a boot. So when she mm. went on longer distances, she would use the crutches, but shorter distances, she would just use the boot. Have you sailed Liberty before? I have not sailed Liberty. We sailed Independence was my first cruise I took my wife on many years ago at this point. So what were your impressions of Liberty of the Seas? I know it's kind of like Independence uh, when you walked on board. Of Royal Ships, I love the, the Freedom Class ships. 
Liberty of the Seas. It just it just feels like a very good size as the promenade, the extended promenade has its own Sorrentos. It's beautiful in that aspect. And obviously, when we get to the pool decks, I just love the entire feeling of the Freedom Class ships, including Liberty. So you make your way to your stateroom. What kind of stateroom did you book for this four-night cruise? And how was your experience throughout the voyage? Since it was me, my wife, and my four-year-old daughter, we booked an interior stateroom. And it was just a quick getaway, an interior stateroom with the ability to sleep up to four. It was interesting because it's the first time we had an interior stateroom with that could sleep multiple people. And so this one, instead of having a sofa bed, had the bunk beds that came down from the ceiling. It They are, my daughter loved it. Um, the only thing I will say, the ladders for it, are, in this case, on the, on, the, on the Liberty, are attached to the bunk bed. And they only have like three rungs. And it's a little dip was a little difficult for my daughter to get up it. And it's I gotta say, if you're not if your child's not that coordinated or you're not really comfortable with a, a young child going up there on their own, um, you might want to stick to uh, a a room that sleeps for that has a sofa bed or something along those lines so they're closer to the ground because they are pretty high up there. But we did enjoy the room. We did enjoy uh, in without the sofa bed. I got to say the room felt, even though it was smaller than the balcony rooms, it felt more like we had more space because you didn't have the sofa bed out the whole way for the whole time and trying to walk around that. So it actually felt like it had more room than when we had the balcony with the that slept more than two. How sturdy was that ladder? Because depending on the ship, those ladders seem to either be really secure or very wobbly. Uh, compared to this one was actually attached to the bunk bed, Okay, which I've been on the vision class where you have the ladder that is in the closet that you put onto the bed. Yeah. And that is extremely wobbly. This ladder was sturdy, but it didn't have many rungs. Gotcha. Okay. Interesting. So let's talk about the dining on this four-night cruise. We'll start at the Windjammer Cafe and work our way down from there. How was the buffet area? The buffet, I got to say, for Royal, for me, left something to be desired. The They had enough stuff, enough variety, but I I felt the quality was of the food itself was a step down than what I'm used to. Uh, like, for instance, the fried egg station on the... We run uh, a previous cruise where the fried egg station had a variety of fried eggs out there. You could see an over easy. You could see a medium. This one, everything was well overcooked. It was like pure fried egg, fully fried. So you actually had to go like to the omelet station to get uh, uh, a fried egg that was not fully cooked. Um, just things like that, which other we experienced at other wind jammers that we felt were better. The service, though, top of the lo- top notch. We asked for, you know, you're not really supposed to get juices for lunchtime. They, they, the juices are only in the morning. We would ask a, one of the servers there just to, if you could get us an apple juice for my daughter. They immediately went and got one. It, I, I can't speak enough to the Royal Caribbean service. What do you attribute the, like the quality of the food being so poor? What do you attribute that to? I really don't know. They were, it felt, even though when I asked about the number of people there, it was a full ship. It felt more crowded than than normal, but I really don't know. I, I just it, I find sometimes the cruise ships, uh, the quality does vary from ship to ship, which mm-hmm. I know that's a goal not to. But I 
I'm not sure about other people, but I do find the quality sometimes varies from ship to ship of the same food. Yeah, no, certainly. So outside of the Windjammer, the main dining room, uh, what time dining did you have and how was your experience in there? We only experienced the main dining room for uh, breakfast, and we, which we enjoyed thoroughly. Uh, we highly recommend that if you have the time to do that over the main dining uh, over the Windjammer, try the main dining room breakfast. But we had the ultimate dining package, so we did mostly specialty restaurants. What restaurants did you hit up on this one? Chops Grill for lunch one day and dinner one day. The m- dinner and lunch menu are different. They do have some changes, which I do actually enjoy some of the options they have on their lunch menu over their dinner menu. Chops Grill is a staple. It is, you know what you're getting when you go to it. Uh, I would say I enjoy it thoroughly, but I do enjoy um, it's a step up, definitely a major step up from the main dining room, but I do like other specialty, re- specialty restaurants on other ships better and on uh, Royal Caribbean better than Chops and also their Italian restaurant, which I enjoyed thoroughly. Again, Giovanni's Table. But again, we had dinner there twice. I've had Jamie's Italian. Loved, loved, loved Jamie's Italian. Again, different menu. But uh, I, we we did enjoy the Italian food at Jamie's uh, or at uh, Giovanni's table. So we went there twice. And we also did Sabor, which they're phasing off of the Royal Caribbean fleet. Sabor had very fresh guacamole, very fresh pico de gallo, good Mexican food. If they kept it on the fleet, I would not be disappointed. Um, we did not do Johnny Rockets. But we did do some of the other uh, restaurants, including the uh, Ben and Jerry's, which everyone who's had Ben and Jerry's knows what you're getting with Ben and Jerry's. The one restaurant that we did pay for, which was a minor thing, which was the Cupcake uh, Mm -hmm. Factory, stay away. They're getting it off the ships. They should be getting off the ships. The desserts there are not as good as the complimentary desserts you can get at the Promenade Cafe right across the way from the Cupcake Place. Did you hit up Sorrento's Pizza at all? Yes, we did. Actually, uh, quality is very good as Sorrento's is very... That is one of the most consistent things Royal Caribbean has is their Sorrento's Pizza quality, I've found. Mm -hmm. And we actually ordered one day, we just wanted to have pizza in the room. So I went there and ordered a pie during peak lunchtime. They said I couldn't take the slices if I was getting a pie. This let me step to the side. Within 10 minutes, they had a pie for me to bring back uh, to my room. Very quick, very efficient, good quality. I'm very glad to hear that they're not going to start charging for Sorrento's pizza anytime soon. So I'm curious, as a frequent Royal Caribbean cruiser, would would that impact your booking decision? Um, it, it definitely would. If I'm trying to do a relatively inexpensive cruise, yes, it would. Because yeah. it just one of the things I like about Royal Caribbean compared to say a Norwegian is Royal Caribbean has some of these complimentary options that are good quality that you can, it's a quick grab and go. The only complimentary option that that's good quality that I would say for Norwegian is, is a sit down restaurant. It's their local. Mm-hmm. Um, if you start taking away the complimentary good options, uh, I think it would really diminish Royal Caribbean's product. Yeah, that's fair. So what do you think of the entertainment on board for your four nights? Entertainment Royal Caribbean is is phenomenal. Um, they have, I believe, on this, this cruise ship was 
uh, Saturday Night Fever. Saturday Night Fever is not my type of music. Mm-hmm. We went to it. We went through about half of it. And just because it wasn't my type of music is the reason why we didn't really finish it. But the the production show and the quality of the singers and the quality of the show is you cannot is second to none. The yeah. ice rink show, again, phenomenal. I would always advise anyone going on a Royal Caribbean ship that has an ice rink, do the ice show. It's only about 45 minutes long, typically. It's very good quality. You're not going to see another thing like it at sea. I don't think you'd probably see another another thing like it on land. I, how many ice shows do you find around you, even in the New York area? Yeah. Um, so definitely try that. Uh, as for non-production uh, shows, they always have good entertainment. They have uh, like someone busking at the at the English pub. And um, uh, as for going on the pool deck, this is one of my reasons why I love the Freedom Class ships. And the newer ones, what they do, some of the upgrades, is you have the solarium pool, which gets the 16 and over crowd. You have the main pool, which everyone's allowed to use. And then you have a children's pool. So you sort uh, a children's pool slash play area slash splash away bay, which is phenomenal for the kids. It really gets to spread not only the people around, but it gets to pull children away from the adult side of things. And um, so it really gives different environment and a different environment to the ship. I cannot say enough that th- that's one of the reasons why I like this class of ship because you sort of get those defined zones even compared to some of the bigger ships like the oasis oasis class which has so many pools but it's spread out on uh, it, it just it don't, you don't feel the different zones because everyone just spreads out everywhere mm-hmm. gotcha with, with the um, entertainment like with the ice show and the theater productions is that a reservation thing or is that ship small enough where you don't need to make reservations you don't need to make reservations. Uh, I would advise showing up uh, 20, 30 minutes before the show just to get a seat that you want. Mm-hmm. But everyone could, everyone seemed to be able to get to where they wanted to go. Gotcha. And how were the sea days as far as crowds and congestion? Like I said, with this class of ship, how it spreads the people out. Mm-hmm. We didn't ever have any problems getting a seat in the sh- even in the shade um, when we were going because we would sit mostly on the kids' side with other parents and we were able to not have to save seats. Really. We were able to go to breakfast and then come to the pool and get a seat. And as far as, uh, did you walk through or around the casino at all? and notice like any kind of smoke smell. I did not get to go to the casino other than to use my, uh, $4, uh, complimentary credit. So it wasn't really that bad when I went, mm-hmm. but I wasn't there enough to really judge. Okay. Uh, like the wind jammer, on sea days was that pretty um did it get busy at the peak times it was very very busy yeah. uh it i'm not sure if it was just again it due to overcrowding of the ship but i was told it was just normal full so it just felt really really busy yeah gotcha so you had one port of call on this uh four-night cruise it was up to halifax nova scotia uh, how was your day there do anything cool Yes, I got to say, this is one of the times we booked actually a private excursion. We booked through the Halifax tour guys. 
I would do this again in a heartbeat. It actually cost, just so people want uh, understand, we wanted to do Peggy's Cove and other stuff. That was the main thing. We just want to hit Peggy's Cove and do other stuff. And the Peggy's Cove and cruise um, excursions, if you book through Royal Caribbean, if you did it through Royal Caribbean, you got a bus and you got to Peggy's Cove and they took you someplace else after, it would have cost about half the price that we paid for the tour guide, the private tour guides. Now, we booked this before my wife's injury occurred, but thankfully we did do this because it really made a huge difference regarding convenience with her mobility issues. So with this tour, we went down out of the terminal. Immediately as you come out of the terminal, even closer than the buses, were the tour guide with a little pink sign that you just walk up to. He was right there, and the car was literally probably about 50 feet from where he was standing. So we went to his car. He took us to Peggy's Cove. We got there before most of the buses, and he dropped us off essentially where the buses drop people off. We did our thing. He said, go walk around town. Um, we did, uh, and then he was able to pick us up from as we were walking around town. We didn't have to walk back up to where the buses were. He took us from there. One thing I will say for people who want to get their passport stamped, there is a place at Peggy's Cove upstairs in the souvenir area. They'll stamp your passport. Uh, my daughter loved that. Um, after Peggy's Cove, we wanted to get some authentic food. And he took us to Vernon's Thunderbird Diner. Odd name, very unique place, had uh, like a, a, a Thunderbird, Ford Thunderbird on like the roof um looking at you but uh, and it was just a diner and being from jersey there's so many diners but the food i had probably the best seafood chowder i've had in my life ton of lobster in it ton of other seafood in it very thick very flavorful um very very and i also had a fish sam uh, a fish and chips type thing very very good quality and that was probably one of my highlights of it he also drove us around showing us different neighborhoods how people live and we were going to go to another garden. There's a garden that a lot of the tour buses go to. But my daughter, being uh, four years old, was starting to hit her limit before her nap. And we just said, you know what? Let's just go back to the ship. And being that we had the private tour, he was able to do that. I couldn't say enough good things about uh, the Halifax tour guys. They are, if you want to spend a little bit extra money, it definitely makes the experience that much better if you just want that little bit more actually a lot more attention to detail and to be able to do what you want to do when you go on on your excursion if you don't mind me asking about how much was that like a couple hundred bucks or uh, it was i think it was 75 dollars an hour okay so and so if you have four people it's even more valuable than if we had three it came out to be after like five hours i think we paid twice as much as we would have if we went on the Royal Caribbean bus excursion. Yeah, I was going to say, when I was in Halifax, we I don't remember the company we used, but Ashley Richard and I got a driver, and it was only 160 bucks out the door for the three of us total. And we like went to Peggy's Cove, went to the Swiss Air 111 Memorial, the Titanic uh, graveyard there, and also uh, this like food truck area with a bunch of like lobster food trucks and stuff. And for 160 bucks total out the door, it was like the best deal ever. If you could do private excursions uh, through, not through the cruise line, because usually the cruise line will bump their markup too mm -hmm. on it. 
If you can find a private excursion for a place, that, a reputable place, um, particularly in North America, yeah. do it. I would can't say enough about spend that little extra money and you're going to get so much better of experience than waiting on a bus for people to get on or uh, not being able to do these other little things like yeah. going to the food trucks for you or going to the restaurant for me that you would be able to do uh, through a Royal Caribbean excursion. Yeah, totally. A hundred percent. So you make your way back to Cape Liberty. How was your debark process? Smooth. We take our time. So we we let all the mad rush get off before we get off. We eat our breakfast. We usually tip our uh, stateroom attendant a little bit to let the bag stay there for just a little bit longer. And we go have breakfast, come back, get our bags and come off around 830, uh, nine o'clock ish. And we're right off. We don't have to wait. Um, we got one thing I will say. You have multiple bags, a stroller. You can't really it makes it harder to carry everything. Use the porters. Give them a couple bucks and you can skip whatever line there is through the um, security. They'll bring you right up to their own line and you just go right through. Yeah, that's another thing, too. Like when you're on debark morning and I always hear people saying, yeah, our steward kicked us out of the room. But if you try, if you grease his hand with a 10 or a 20, you can keep the bags in the locker or in the uh, cabinet in the room as long as you want. He doesn't care. He's got so many rooms to do. Mm -hmm. As long as not everyone's doing it, it'll end up working, working out well for you if you want to take your time. Yeah, 100 percent. Yeah, totally. So. Any first time tips to offer anyone either going to Halifax or sailing Liberty of the Seas? I would say with Halifax, if you can afford it, do the private tour. Um, as for Liberty of the Seas, it's just a great, a great Royal Caribbean ship. Um, the one thing I will say, if you have kids, again, keep in mind the age of your kids, if you're going to have them in the same room and whether or not you want the sofa bed or the bunk beds. And if you need the sofa bed to be lower on the ground, make sure you talk to your travel agent or who you're booking with to make sure what type of bed you're getting for the room that you're booking. That could have made a difference. Thankfully, it didn't for us. My daughter's just old enough that I felt comfortable with her up there. But just keep that in mind. Good deal. Looking back, what was the biggest highlight of this cruise? Oh, the Halifax and our private tour. It yeah. was just a phenomenal experience. And it, you don't, I did, we didn't feel like, exhausted like sometimes you do going on those tours because it was just so much more relaxed with mm. the private excursion i didn't ask you this back when we were talking about your stateroom but where your stateroom was located did you notice any kind of noises like were you above or below anything that maybe had some uh, some bumps in the night or anything like that no our stateroom was uh i gotta say our stateroom was very quiet at night mm. is that something you research before you cruise and like okay we're gonna try to get this area because there's nothing here or there yes we always make sure that we are above and below uh rooms that said it still can be a little bit of a uh, chance taking because you don't know who you're going to be rooming next to right we had a cruise where we were rooming next to four kids in the room right and that got loud but other than that uh we just try to limit what kind of noises can happen yeah. Well, your final thoughts of Liberty of the Seas. It's a great ship. I love the Freedom Class ships, including Liberty. I Anyone wanting to go on a first-time cruise, 
uh, the Voyager or the Freedom class, I would highly recommend to anyone. Awesome. We've been talking with Adam about his four-night sailing up to Halifax and back out of Jersey on Liberty of the Seas. Adam, always great talking to you, my friend. Can't wait to talk to you again. Thanks, Doug. All right, Dougie. Let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.